So there's this part where we're new, but there's this also this part where we're being made new. I love how Pastor Paul puts it. When I became a Christian, I repented, received forgiveness. My heart was made brand new. But the rest of me is still trying to catch up to that. <laughs> it's a quote from Pastor Paul. <laughs> I give a personal testimony of praise God. I was released of a fear uh, last week in my personal ministry time. I shared a little bit about that last week. But that fear had led to frustration. And I was, I was concerned with the frustration, but the frustration was actually predicated on a fear that was in my heart. And I exchanged that fear for the truth that I carry the armor of God. I, I'm, I'm, I'm covered in the armor of God. It's a personal revelation. I believe it's not just for me, it's for everyone. But as we testify, it just sets the atmosphere to receive in faith Faith is stirred. It's not faith from ourselves. It's not faith that we conjure up. It's faith that only comes through him, Acts 3 says. Faith through his name makes us strong, heals us, takes the mountain and puts it away. It says grace to the mountain. Faith that comes through him. So the Connect Up team uh, complimented us. This is what I was doing. This is where I was going with this initial talk, talk with Connect Up. Um, the Connect Up team complimented us, and I just felt so encouraged on behalf of this family. They said, this is such a family of God. We felt like there was a unity here. We were so blessed to be in, in your midst. It felt like it was a home away from home. Those are the words from the leadership and the Connect Up team. So I just want to give kudos to everybody here. I, I'm so grateful for this body becoming one and one and one, being made perfect in one. It's and it's, it's a oneness, if you're new here, you may not realize it, but it's a oneness that is embracing the diversity. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying accepting sin, not at all, no. But the diverse perspectives that we have, it's part of God's design. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. It's something the world doesn't have. It's amazing when people on polar opposites of the political spectrum can come together in this house and say, I love you, brother. I love you, sister. And genuine, and genuine knowing that we seek first the kingdom of God. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. And I just, I'm so encouraged by this body. And I hope you are too. The uh, series that I'm in is uh, called Love the One in Front of Me. And... Um, if you weren't here the last time, I'll give you a 36-second synopsis of, the, of that last one. Jesus comes down from the mountain. He's with Peter, James, and John. He's just been transfigured. He comes down to the mountain. He walks on the scene, and he's met with this distraught father whose son is just ailing. He's afflicted by a demon. And the father says to him, can you cast out this demon? Can you heal my son? And Jesus, and, he, and the Father says, you, the, the, your disciples couldn't do it. These are the disciples that were going out two by two and seeing demons cast out, seeing people healed. And in Matthew's account, raising the dead. They had power and authority from Jesus, but they were not able to move this demon from the Son. So Jesus interviews the Father. He loves the one right in front of him. The disciples were distracted by the illness, I believe. They looked at the Son. This is our focus. We gotta heal him in the name of Jesus. But God the Father who tells Jesus everything he needs to do. John 5, I do everything I see the Father doing. God the Father puts on Jesus' heart. <laughs> the man right in front of him, the Father. And instead of just healing the Son, the Father's heart is, is, is the broken heart is healed in Jesus' name. Whew. 
All right, so that was 37 seconds. <clears throat> Tonight, today, I want to say, I talk about loving the one in front of you, but the one that I'm talking about loving in front of us is the body of Christ. It matters. It's a big deal what happens inside the four walls. Because what happens inside the four walls is a testimony to what happens outside the, out the, outside the four walls. He wants us to be one. In Mark chapter 6, this particular story where Jesus feeds the 5,000 is found in all four Gospels. I'm going from Mark, the earliest account. It doesn't matter. I just came to mind and I said it, the earliest account. It's, Mark is where God has me. <laughs> the apostles have just returned. They've been out two by two, the 12 apostles, and they've been healing and, and seeing uh, people delivered from demons. Hearts made new in Jesus. They return. They're gathered to Jesus, and they told them all the things that happened, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. The backdrop, just before verse 30 of Mark 6, is Jesus gives them specific instructions. <laughs> one pair of sandals. Just take one pair of sandals. Oh, and, and don't take any money with you. <laughs> and, oh, yeah, don't, don't take any food with you either. And you know how you want to bring a change of clothes? Just take one tunic, don't take two. And for an unspecified amount of time, they are ministering. So when Jesus says this, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while, I believe this is music to the disciples' ears. He's telling them, take a break. And when Jesus says, take a break, we take a break, <laughs> right? But Jesus is doing something. He's moving. He does everything he sees the Father doing. He's showing them something different. Matthew 11 says, come unto me, Jesus says, come unto me, all you, la all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is about to teach them and by the grace of God give us ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts to receive what he's teaching us that the true rest comes in the heart. The true rest sometimes involves work in the natural, but there's rest for our hearts that supersedes everything else. We walk by spirit, not by our eyes, the natural eyes. We walk in the spirit. It's not by might, physical might. It's not by power manifest through a physical effort. It's by his spirit. Ooh. So this is music to the disciples' ears. Take a break. Go to a secluded, deserted place. But the multitude saw them departing. And many knew him and ran there on foot from all the cities. They're coming from all over. It's 5,000 men. If you include men, women and children, it could be as many as 15,000 people. This isn't the rest away from everybody, the getaway that they were hoping for. <laughs> they arrived before them and came together to them. 
John chapter 10, Jesus says, Other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. And he declares this prophetic word. There will be one flock and one shepherd. This is what's happening right now as we read this story. Many people from all over are coming together. It goes on. When Jesus came out, he saw a great multitude and moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. Yes, disciples, you have done a great work. You're exhausted. By all counts, you should have some rest right now. But the love of God for the one right in front of me, the one body that is to be right in front of me, the one flock right in front of me is the most important thing right now. I want to teach you a different way to find rest. Where you're supernaturally sustained by heavenly grace and not by your own ideations of what rest should look like. Sunday afternoons, this afternoon, would be like many afternoons for me growing up, but God's done something different in my life. I grew up thinking that Sunday afternoons was a sanctified time for naps. <clears throat> I didn't go around with no money belt. I didn't go around with just one pair of sandals, etc. But there were times where I was giving and pouring out even, even at a younger age. And when you got to the, you know, you, you think God's moving, God's doing some great things, and you get to the afternoon, and it's like, okay, whew, I'm going to take a break. And this one Sunday afternoon, I remember in particular, <clears throat> I was the only one home, and I was having my sanctified nap time in front of the TV, Watching my beloved New York Giants. <clears throat> and the bills aren't bad either. Woo! <laughs> That's how you get in trouble as a preacher. <clears throat> so I'm watching the Giants play, and this is, again, this is my sanctified time, my consecrated time set apart for me because it's me time. And the phone rings. And like I said, I'm the only one home. The phone rings. My sister at the time, Janelle, God bless you. I know you're listening, sister. And you know what I'm about to say. <laughs> my sister calls. And I don't pick up. Because this is my time. I'm taking a break. I deserve it. She leaves a message because I didn't pick up. She leaves a message and she says, Hello? I can hear the whole thing. Anybody home? <clears throat> Dad? Mom? Jessica? She pauses. I'm the last one on the list. You wonder why. Josh? And at the point she says, Josh, I, I reached my finger over and I just pushed the mute button. Oh yeah, true confessions. You gotta be honest as a preacher. <laughs> Under shepherd of the Lord, you gotta lead by example. 
I pushed the mute button, and I don't bother calling her back. She's since forgiven me. <clears throat> We're close. And as, as God would have in the Holy Spirit, we now talk regularly on Sunday afternoons. She's at Global School of Supernatural Ministry. Hear this. It's no joke when God inspires Moses in Exodus chapter 31 to write, you shall remember the Sabbath. It's not a joke. He goes on, and this is why it's not a joke, because what he says, for this shall be a sign between me and you to all your generations, that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. I am not preaching don't take a Sabbath. I'm preaching, I'm preaching let Jesus dictate when the Sabbath is. When I dictate when the Sabbath is, I do not love my sister, the body of Christ, the one that I'm supposed to be with like I should. I'm cutting her off. When I let him dictate the Sabbath, that's when true sanctification comes. True consecration, true separation into all that he calls holy. He does that. Jesus rested many times by praying all night. Not just the couple of times that's mentioned in the scripture. I don't believe it. That was a sign of things he did all the time, I believe. He, rest, he rested in the Father. He found, he found his sustenance, not in what is provided in natural Word, man does not live by anything that's natural, by bread in the natural, but by every word that proceeds from him. I just release an anointing to hear the voice of God bringing you sustenance so that you don't just survive life's challenges, but the voice of the living God speaking to his sheep saying, I want you to thrive, and here's how I want you to thrive. By my life, by taking on my easy yoke, my light yoke, and resting in me. Amen. I'm glad I got that off my chest. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I just want to share a couple things real quick. There's, these are ways that our body is loving. I just shared earlier in the Connect Up testimony earlier, but <clears throat> my mother-in-law, she's not here today. She just, she's a testimony to me. She's like Tabitha in Acts chapter 8 who makes these tunics and makes these garments. She's making these quilts, and every quilt she makes for a person in this body, if you haven't gotten one, you're not left out. God has a quilt for you. Well, every person she makes a quilt for, she's, there's prophetic words that are going into it, words that will not return void, that will prosper in the thing for which God sent them. She, pray, she prays over everyone. My wife and I are beneficiaries of that. That's just one example. Um, our brother Lou, he helps so many others. He's, it's hard for him to receive help sometimes, but we were able to Oh, we were able to help several brothers in the church got together and helped him with his roof this year. Praise God. These are ways that we're giving of what we have. And we're about to see in this, in this story the way that he part, gave, made those five loaves and those two fishes. He made them multiply, meeting the natural need. 
I'm going to share more. There's Pete and Brenda making meals and many others making meals for the events that we have and get together for. It's just a blessing in how we meet those natural needs by loving one another. Jesus has compassion on our natural needs. You may not know this because not everybody's involved, but we have, we'll have several weddings and, and, and funerals throughout the year. People come together and make that happen. It's very little ask on my part as a leader. It's, it's, it's just the body of Christ recognizing the need and loving one another. <clears throat> We've helped our neighbors clear out snow. We pray for one another. Our deacons and elders, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for the example of godly marriages that our deacons and elders exhibit and lead. It's a testimony to this house. It's one of the reasons why this house is so blessed. We're, we're, we're families that are dealing with infertility are blessed. And we've had, oh, we've come together and prayed. We've, we've led an example as leaders. We've led an example of what godly heritage is. And he's blessed. I think there's over 30 couples that have dealt with infertility in the last 12 years that have received a miracle. And I just released that miracle over anyone that's listening. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. There's great... I will get it out because the Holy Spirit wants me to. There's great things that happen when his love is come to fullness. When we are in his love, when we receive his love, it's not a love that abdicates truth. It's a love that stands in the truth, calls sin, sin. It's not accepting those things. But it's a love that's unfailing, that goes through, that goes through the sin, Brings the, point, brings the person to the point of grace where they no longer sin. It's grace that sets free. It's a love where we come together and his light shines brightly like that city on a hill and testifies both in the house and outside the house. <clears throat> the day was far spent. His disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place. They're reminding Jesus, didn't you say... Didn't you say we were going to take a break? I thought you said that. And here, just, just I'm telling you, the shoe fits for me sometimes. I'm being honest with you. Let the Holy Spirit, it, it's a safe place. We're in his presence. If he's convicting you of something, let him convict you. It's not condemnation. He's just bringing it to light because he's got something better for you. Don't be left in that prison of condemnation. Don't be left in that prison of bondage. The disciples say, send them away that they may go and buy themselves bread. Mute Janelle, <laughs> send her away because I want to go do my own thing. The shoe fits for me sometimes. Jesus has a different plan. He says, you give them something to eat. And John records it's Philip that's answering this. I think there's a little sarcasm in it. <clears throat> Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? At that time, a denarii, one denarii, was a, a, day's, a, uh, a, day's, a day's wage. So 200 is like eight months. 
Tens of thousands of dollars. <laughs> Can you feel the sarcasm? Shall we go and do this, like spend thirty, twenty thousand dollars whatever it is, and buy the bread? <laughs> Jesus is on him. I'm not going to bite in your sarcasm. I'm after you finding what true rest is. How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they found a boy. He had five loaves and two fish. Jesus is putting the onus where it needs to be. He's calling us out where we are destined to be. Where the light of God shines in us and through us in the darkness. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. He's calling us to that place where the light of our faith would shine so brightly that even though in our natural bodies we're feeling tired, even though in our minds we're thinking, I've had enough, but his grace. He's looking at an imperfect multitude of people in this miracle. Some 15,000 people, all imperfect. He knows they're hungry for him. But they're also physically hungry. Anytime Jesus does a miracle in the natural, like providing food, healing the sick, bringing money out of a fish, anytime he does that, he's sowing God's almighty sovereignty. But the almighty sovereignty is second to his love. He's showing how much he loves. <sighs> He's showing how much he loves our body. He wants us to shine brightly like that city on a hill. I'm just going to read an excerpt from Acts 2. All who believed were together and had all things in common. This is... This is after Jesus died, resurrected, spent 40 days with his disciples, said, wait in Jerusalem for the next 10 days. I will show myself to you. I will reveal the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's poured out. This is, af this is in our time. This is in our era. The same principle that I'm reading right now is for us. It's, it's a spiritual era I'm talking about. I think you know that. So they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. People incorrectly interpret that text from Acts chapter 2 as communism. Communism is after a behavior, conformity to some persons or small group of people in authority to their will. What that text is correctly saying, I just read it, Acts chapter 2, 44 and following. What that text is talking about is communion. Communion with God and communion with each other. The love that God wants us to have for each other for him. John, the disciple that Jesus loved, says this in 1 John 3, his first epistle. 
But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? Jesus goes on in Mark chapter 6. He gives thanks. He looks up to heaven, gives thanks to the Father, breaks the bread. Thousands of people fed, 12 baskets of fragments taken up afterwards. John records that after that event, the people wanted to make him king. There was, such, there was such a joy in their hearts. The disciples would have missed out on that joy and that kingdom miracle, the growth and through being stretched if they just said, I want to take a break <laughs> by their definition. But finding rest in him. That's where we're at, amen? We're going to take communion, but I just want to read to you an excerpt from the words of Sarah Edwards. She's the wife of Jonathan Edwards, a prominent theologian scholar in the 18th century, one of the four foremost names in the first great awakening in this country, back when there were only 13 colonies. And Sarah was known to have these events <laughs> in a time where it wasn't really uh, yeah, it wasn't kosher. Thank you for the word, Mom. It wasn't acceptable socially. She would get these agitations, as she describes in her letter, where she would just start to shake in the presence of the Lord. She'd start to shake. She'd be overcome in the presence of the Lord with joy, and in the middle of a service, it would just erupt out of her mouth. Tears would flow. She'd lose the strength. If you read, the, if you read her, her letter, she'd lose the strength in her body and she'd fall out in the spirit. Just fall out for hours, four hours at a time. And in my take on, on what's happened, what happened to her, she's probably the person that had the most tangible expression of the Holy Spirit's love being poured out on her. It wasn't Jonathan Edwards as great as George Whitfield was as a preacher, it wasn't him. Sarah Edwards had these, it's, it's, a, it's a prolonged time where she was in the presence of the Lord. And I want to read to you what she said after she fell out in the spirit and they lifted her up and put her in a chair. It says, at that, this is her words, at that same time I felt a far greater love to the children of God than ever before. This is something we can't conjure up ourselves. It's the Spirit of God that comes upon us. He brings the love. Oh, that it would be today, Father, more and more. I, I bless what he's already done in us and in increasing our love. I bless it to be more. I seem to love, Sarah says, them, the children of God, as my own soul. And when I saw them, my heart went out towards them with an inexpressible endearedness and sweetness. I beheld them by faith in their risen and glorified state with spiritual bodies refashioned after the image of Christ's glorious body and arrayed in the beauty of heaven. The time when they would be arrayed in the beauty of heaven appeared very near. By faith it seemed as if it were present. This was accompanied with a ravishing sense of the unspeakable joys of the upper world. If you would just stand to your feet. I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, this is the type of encounter he wants to bring us in our communion. 
Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11. Let a man examine himself and then let him eat of the bread, drink of the cup. I want to leave room for that right now. Jesus, we thank you for being in our midst and thank you for the helper that you promised would come. We release the helper to have your perfect work in our hearts and speak to us if there's anything that's separating us from a brother, anything that's separating us from a sister, any bitterness, any unforgiveness, any fear, any ways that we've gone into self-protection mode in relationships, any ways that we've been selfish. Speak to us right now, we ask, Holy Spirit. I just want to read to you as you're in this moment. This is just a quick comment by Jonathan Edwards. Prominent man. Went on to be the president of Princeton University. He's speaking of these situations, these encounters that Sarah is having with the Holy Spirit. He says, now if such things that Sarah is experiencing our enthusiasm or emotionalism and the offspring of a distempered brain. Let my, let my brain be possessed even more at that happy distemper. If this be distraction, I pray God that the world of mankind may all be seized with this benign, meek, beneficent, beatific, glorious distraction. Holy Spirit, we welcome you to convict our hearts. Catch us up with you. Catch us up with you. Take us up so that we have that perspective that you have for each other, for the, for the, for the imperfect people all around us, including ourselves. I thank you, Lord, for the seeds of love true love, the unfailing love of Jesus Christ that are sown in our hearts already and being sown. I bless them to continue to blossom. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for what you did on the cross. You gave a precious gift of love. And as your word says, that gift opened up our hearts so that we could love you back. What you gave to us, I pray, would be a revelation to us increasingly and perpetually continually so that we could love others the way that we've been loved. We thank you for breaking your body. And we remember it, Lord, your body broken for us. And as we partake, we're communing with you and each other, one body, one faith, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through us all and in us all. Jesus, we thank you for your blood that's spilled. The once and for all sacrifice that you made. 
because you loved us, you spilled your blood. And as the prophet Isaiah says, and as it says in the book of Matthew, by your blood, by your stripes, we're healed. In our hearts, in our souls, made new through repentance and receiving forgiveness, and in our bodies and in our minds. And so we thank you, Lord, for spilling your blood as we partake. We thank you for the revelation of communing with you and each other. You may be tired. Just give it to Jesus. Give it to Jesus. His grace is sufficient. We're going to sing another song and I'm going to release the service. But I want you to come forward. There's an anointing here that will break heavy yokes and bring on the easy yoke. Just come forward if you'd like prayer. I want to invite anybody that's had Connect Up training to come up as well. Um, anybody, the eight people that from our church that went this summer, uh, Pastor Mickey, you, you know, Dean, I know you've had Connect Up training. And our pastors to come up and pray too.